0: Well, I want us to begin our time this morning by opening our Bibles to the book of Revelation. We find ourselves once again in this great book about the future. And this morning we are beginning chapter 17. And I want us to know at the outset that We will see from here through chapter 19 and verse 10, we are going to see the end of false religion, the end of false religion. Humanity was created by God for worship. God, in His divine wisdom and through His creative power, created mankind so that God himself might be glorified throughout all eternity through a people brought unto himself. Religion is part and parcel to our very makeup. Every man ever born in this world is a worshiper regardless of the God they claim to worship or even the reality that they claim there is no God. Whether mankind mankind acknowledges God or whether mankind does not acknowledge God, God has placed within every man a principle for worship. We have been created as relational beings to worship God. So man was created for the worship of God, but through sin man refused God worship God man instead chose to worship self and he worships self in all of its forms what was true religion through a relationship with God in the garden of Eden became false religion through the rejection of God and the worship of self so mankind was created for worship and mankind knows inherently within him because God has put it in him that he will face eternity in the presence of some God, whether he acknowledges the God of the universe or not. And so in man's self-worship, he has created ways of appeasing his own conscience and thereby appeasing the gods of his own making so that he can satisfy himself in his own life, and his own conscience, and try to be somehow in the presence of God. That's why man has religion in his heart, even though he has rejected God. And of course, all of this is known as idolatry. That is the word that the Bible uses to describe Any kind of false religion. It is idolatry. It is the worship of other things as if they are God. Or as if they represent God in some way. Idolatry is what false religion is. And every false religion is therefore then ultimately the worship of self. Revelation chapter 17 begins to give us a look inside the end of false religion and i want us to really put on our thoughtful hats this morning because we need to to think about some things that can be very confusing and we need to remember at least in our study of revelation in the chronological outworking of the tribulation period the action that we see here in chapter 17 through chapter 19 and verse 10 is another interlude for us. The chronological outworking of the tribulation ended at the end of chapter 16. Chapter 17 through chapter 19 verse 10 is this interlude period where we get a, a closer look at the what happens during the final two bold judgments of chapter 16 and then after that jesus christ comes so the tribulation for all intents and purposes here in our study the tribulation ended by way of chronology at the end of chapter 16 but from chapter 17 through chapter 19 and verse 10 we have this extended explanation of the previous two judgments and the immediate intention of all of this is to help us understand this term Babylon. We have already seen this term mentioned. If you remember, back in chapter 14 and verse 8, the another angel, a second one following the the one who's flying in mid heaven, was saying, "Fallen, fallen is Babylon the Great, she who has made all the nations drink the wine of the passion of her." immorality and then in chapter 16 and verse 19 we saw this again the great city was split into three parts this great earthquake happens at the end of the the bull judgments the cities of the nations fall and babylon the great was remembered before god so the entire subject of chapter 17 of this whole section from 17 to 19 verse 10 is babylon that's the subject that We now get to look intently at. And we are getting a closer look. In chapter 17. At it's destruction. As far as it is a spiritual entity. And then in chapter 18. It's destruction as a physical entity. So Babylon. Just keep this in your mind. Is both a false religion. And a physical location. It is both of those, And because these chapters speak to that subject we need to get some very important background so that we're not confused notice in chapter 17 and verse 1 and 2 it says and one of the seven angels that had the seven bowls came and spoke with me saying this is john after the seventh bowl has been poured out one of those angels comes and speaks with john we don't know which one of them but one of them comes it's just one of those seven angels and he says Come here and I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. So this is the point of everything that follows. God desires us to see the final end of the great harlot. The final end of the great spiritual prostitute, harlot, prostitute, same term, synonymous terms for the final end of false religion, it's what we're talking about here. Sometimes we think that our world is growing more and more non-religious. Sometimes you look at things in our day and you see the world in the way it goes and and we seem to get this idea that the world is growing more and more non-religious when in reality it is becoming more and more steeped in false religion, more and more steeped in its paganism. So let me give us some background concerning Babylon or concerning the great harlot or concerning this spiritual prostitute, this false religion. Let me give us some background on that. All of those terms I just used are all synonymous talking about the same person and I just want us to to look at chapter 17 a little bit here and and I want to highlight a few things and then try to get into at least verses 1 to 6 this morning notice in verse 5 it says and upon her forehead there was a name it was written a mystery Babylon the great the mother of harlots and the and of the abominations of the earth. So right here in verse 5 of chapter 17, we hear the name of this great religious prostitute. And her name, and where all false religion began, is right there in verse 5. In other words, idolatry began to run rampant In the city by the name of this, which is the city, as I mentioned several weeks ago, the city of Babel. Back in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. We're not going to go into a study of those chapters today. But contrary to the prohibition of God, the people of the earth, the people of Babel, began to build a monument for themselves toward the heavens in an attempt against what God had said to them as the God of the universe, they, in their own attempt, by their own works, they were attempting to obtain their own self-made salvation. That's really the essence of what's going on there in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. And from the lives of the people we know in Scripture... This included the use of images. It included the use of ceremonies. It included the use of anything that was contrary to God's Word. When they built the tower, it was built uh, on the premise of rejection of the very commandments of God and with the reality of images and ceremonies and everything else included in all of that. The Bible clearly tells us that the use of images, the use of any kind of sensual ceremonies in worship is spiritual prostitution or spiritual harlotry. According to the Bible, anything that draws your heart away from pure worship, the pure worship of God is spiritual adultery. Let me say that again. Anything that draws your heart away from the pure, true worship of God himself is spiritual adultery. The Bible calls that idolatry. The Old Testament at large, you can search it at large and you will find that over and over and over and over again. Those terms being used. And this idolatry, this use of images and statues and other icons to approach God the God of heaven in the Old Testament began in the city known as Babel. Okay, now Babel was built, this is very interesting. Babel was built by a man named Nimrod. He was the the founder of that city. Nimrod was one of the grandchildren of Noah. Remember in Genesis chapter 5 and Chapter 6, the great flood happens. In chapter 5, God looks down upon the earth. All the wickedness of their heart. Every day, they're about wickedness, wickedness. God plans to destroy the earth except for these eight people, Noah and his sons and their wives. And his wife go through the flood in the ark. After that, Noah's family begins to repopulate the earth. Nimrod was one of the sons of Shem. He was the grandchild of Noah. And Nimrod was married to a woman named Semiramis. Semiramis, You may have heard that name in your own mythological studies. If you have been in school and studied the myths of the ancient times, Semiramis is a name you may have heard. Well, that was Nimrod's wife. Years ago, a British author by the name of Alexander Hislop wrote a book entitled The Two Babylons. And in that book, he traces the idolatry of Babel to our present time, or to the time when was present in his day, which wasn't, was only several years back. And I want to just show us a few of this so that we are clear on the vision that John has here in chapters 17 and 18. Nimrod, of course, was married to Semiramis, And she became very well known and even worshipped in Babel, and uh, I'll tell you why that is in just a moment, but just so that we know, in different countries this very worship of her became widespread, and in different countries she was named by different names. For example, in Assyria and Nineveh she was called Ishtar, Semiramis was known as Ishtar in those countries. Under the multiple gods of the Phoenicians her name was Ashtaroth. By the way, there were name there was a city by the name of Ashtaroth in the western side of Israel when the Palestinians would have or would have or the Philistines would have had that, they built a city named Ashtaroth, by the way, which is one of those cities that currently would have been in the Gaza Strip even today. In Egypt, her name was Isis. Greek culture had a name for her, and that was Aphrodite. And the Romans had a name for her as well, and that name was Venus. All of these are the same person, Samaramus. So all of these names are her names, and she became the first high priestess, by the way, of the idolatrous system of religion that was born in Babylon. Satan has always been trying to counterfeit the truth of God. We even see that in our day. And we know that God made Adam and Eve a promise in the garden. After they had fallen, God promised that there would come a deliverer. And that deliverer would be from her seed and would come against his seed or that in Satan. And we know that was looking ahead to Jesus Christ because we have progressive revelation. We have the scriptures from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and so we know it was speaking about Jesus Christ in the promise there in Genesis, who, by the way, was miraculously conceived by a virgin. Well, Semiramis, when she gave birth to a son, she said that he was miraculously conceived by a sunbeam. And she offered her son as the promised deliverer of the world. Obviously, what was passed down through the families and what God had said to Adam and Eve, down through Noah, down through his children, got passed down to his grandchildren. And so the promise was there. samaramis simply said she was the one who through the promise was to come and offered her son as the deliverer of the world. His name, by the way, was Tammuz. Samaramus, Nimrod's son, was called Tammuz. And when he had grown up, he was killed by a wild boar. Much to Samaramus' weeping. And for 40 days, she wept for him. And after the 40 days, she said that he came back to life. And in the story of Samaramus and Tammuz, that story began to perpetuate. And that story is the story that began the false religion of the worship of the mother and her child. And it spread across the world. In fact, one... Ancient story was that Samaramis had to go down to the netherworld to gather her son from her evil sister. And in going there, she was stripped of all kinds of her royalty, her garb, seemingly stripped of her deity itself to get her son back. And she brought him back on, on one premise, and that premise was that she had to return once a year to the netherworld. For six months' time, and guess what happens in our world? According to the legend, during that time, when she goes to the netherworld, that's when winter happens, because all of her ability to control the seasons is now hindered. So in Assyria, she is called Ishtar, and her son is still, but known by the name Tammuz under under the Assyrian. Perpetuation of this mother-child religion. In Phoenicia, she's called Ashtaroth, but her son, by interesting name, is Baal. You've heard of Baal in the Old Testament. In Egypt, she's Isis, and her son is Osiris. In Greece, she's Aphrodite, and her son is Eros, or Eros. And in Rome, she is Venus, and her son is Cupid. So this false religion spread throughout the world. And, just get this, she is worshipped, listen to this, by offering to her a small wafer, a little cake, if you will, and it's offered to her as the queen of heaven. Now you say, that's a little interesting to me, queen of heaven. I think I've heard about that before. You have, and I'll share with you in just a moment where you may have heard of it, but she was worshipped that way in these false religions, and there was always 40 days of weeping over the death of Tammuz, or the death of Baal, or whatever his name was, whatever culture, always to be followed by a feast to celebrate his coming back to life. Those 40 days, by the way, have been known, even in our day, as Lent. Lent, And the feast was known as the Feast of Ishtar. The sign of Tammuz, by the way, the sign, the symbol and celebration of the resurrection of Tammuz under this was known under this Feast of Ishtar. Gifts were given to one another and those gifts were Ishtar eggs. Ishtar eggs. They were eggs given under the feast of Ishtar, which was a symbol of his resurrection. It's Interesting where we get our understanding of things. By the way, Queen of Heaven is very worshipped by the Roman Catholic Church. Let me just read you from their official doctrine which says, which was expressed by Pope Pius XII in his radio message to Fatima, quote, he, the Son of God, reflects on his heavenly mother the glory, the majesty, and the dominion of his kingship for having been associated to the king of martyrs in the unspeakable work of human redemption as mother and cooperator she remains forever associated to him with a practically unlimited power in the distribution of the graces which flow from the redemption. Jesus is king throughout all eternity by nature and by right of conquest. Through him, with him, and subordinate to him, Mary is queen. By grace, by divine relationship, by right of conquest, and by singular choice. And her kingdom is as vast as that of her Son and God, since nothing is excluded from her dominion. Unquote. Blasphemy is what that is. Blasphemy at the highest level. And so the secret here of Babylon, of this Babylonian mystery that you see, this mystery that John sees, Babylon the Great, is all the things associated with the rituals and with the rites of the worship of Samaramis and Tammuz and anything that represents that down through the ages as she offered her son as the deliverer. The Old Testament prophets, by the way, spoke against this mother-child religion. In fact, go to Jeremiah for a moment. I want us to see this because oftentimes we think, oh, this is just all somebody writing outside of the Scriptures. Notice in Jeremiah chapter 44... Jeremiah speaks about idol worship being among the people of Israel. And you'll notice it's very interesting, the terminology. Jeremiah chapter 44, beginning in verse 17. Well, I'll begin in verse 15. Then all the men who were aware that their wives were burning sacrifices to other gods along with all the women who were standing by as a large assembly, including all the people who were living in Pathros in the land of Egypt, responded to Jeremiah saying, Jeremiah, if you read verse 1 to, chapter, to verse 14, Jeremiah is condemning this worship, this idolatrous worship. And so they speak to Jeremiah about his message. As for the message that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we are not going to listen to you. That's tantamount to simply saying we're not going to listen to what God said. We don't care what God said. But rather, verse 17, we will certainly carry out every word that has proceeded from our mouths by burning sacrifices, notice, to the queen of heaven and pouring out libations to her just as we ourselves, our fathers, our kings, our princes did in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then we had plenty of food and were well off and saw no misfortune. You see, they're attributing all that God had given them to the blessings of this false God, this false worship, this false mother and her child. And they say in verse 18, but since we stopped burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and pouring out libations to her, we have lacked everything. and have met our end by the sword and by famine. They are blaming God for their trouble. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 7. Because we see this early on, even in the book of Jeremiah. Let me just read a rather lengthy portion because we need to hear this. Jeremiah chapter 7, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you Judah who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. People are are going to the temple of God and they are proclaiming a worship to the Lord. Jeremiah is, is commissioned by God. Go stand in that gate and proclaim this to all of you who are going to worship. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Verse 3, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal and murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and offer sacrifices to Baal? And walk after other gods that you have not known? Then come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say, We are delivered that you may do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I have seen it, declares the Lord. But go now to my place, which is in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at the first, and see what I did to it because of its wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, to the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name in which you trust, and to the place which I gave you and your fathers, I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight. And I have cast out all of your brothers. All of the offspring of Ephraim, as for you, don't pray for this people. Do not lift up a cry or a prayer for them. Do not intercede with me, for I do not hear you. I do, not see, do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough and make cakes for the queen of heaven. They pour out libations to other gods in order to spite me. Do they spite me, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves they spite in their own shame? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, on man and on beast and on the trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. Over in Ezekiel chapter 8, Prophet Ezekiel sees God's heart on those who are idolatrous. And he says in Ezekiel chapter 8, beginning in verse 12, Then he said to me, Son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are committing in the dark? Ezekiel 8, verse 12, Each man in the room of his carved images. For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. And he said to me, Yet you will see still greater abominations which they are committing. And then he brought me to the entrance of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. And he said to me, Do you see this, son of man? Yet you will see still greater abominations than these. Then he brought me, verse 16, to, into the inner court of the Lord's house. He went from outside to the front of the house. Now he's inside. And behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east they were prostrating themselves eastward toward the sun. The women were worshiping the Queen of Heaven. The women were weeping for Tammuz. And the men were turning their backs on God and worshiping to the east. To where the sun rises. Just like you see in Islam today. The women were weeping for 40 days under their Lenten feast mourning Tammuz as their deliverer, and after the 40 days their weeping would end and they would celebrate with the Feast of Ishtar. People would exchange Ishtar eggs as a symbol of their counterfeit resurrection. And So this worship of the mother-child has spread throughout the world. We know it today in one of its forms under the name Roman Catholicism. It is not, folks, a Christian religion It is a false religion. It is a cult in its greatest form. By the way, there was a Roman emperor who was elected as the Pontifex Maximus, the beginning of this religion in Rome, and he became the high priest of this idolatrous system of religion. And when he died, the title of high priest of this false religion was assumed by, guess who? The bishop of Rome. know who the Bishop of Rome is today? The Pope. The Pope. He's the Bishop of Rome. He is the Pontifex Maximus. Now we have to listen very carefully. There's no such thing in all of the Bible whereby the Bible calls for the exaltation of a female deity. Nowhere. And the least of all is there is any suggestion in Scripture at all that Mary was anything other than what she is portrayed to be. She is a fellow servant of Jesus Christ. She, in fact, is one who is there during the first prayer meeting that you find in Acts chapter 1. After that, guess what? Mary's not mentioned once again in the Bible, ever. So this idolatrous worship of Mary and her offering of her Son in some kind of way, as if she is over the Son, as if she was the one who decided to offer Jesus Christ in some kind of way, as if she is the Mother of God, whereby she now is the co-redeemer, that is born, folks, out of the false religion that was born in ancient times in Babylon. It was born under this idolatrous mother-child worship that was born out of Semiramis and Tammuz in Babel. So how amazing is it that out of Babel, out of Babylon, according to Scripture, even throughout the Old Testament, there would be this idolatrous religion that would engulf the whole world. And I believe that there can be little argument that chapter 17 of Revelation describes for us, under this picture of the spiritual prostitute, a religious system that has all of the features of the mystery religion that arose from Nimrod and his wife in Babel. That system today is perfectly reflected in Roman Catholicism. So chapter 17 represents symbolically a religious system that reflects the idolatry of old. Chapter 18, as we will see, presents the the commercial, the the economic center known as Babylon, as it's destroyed. Both aspects are called Babylon. So Babylon in the tribulation times is both a system of religion and a city that is at the heart of its commercial kingdom. And God destroys them both. Babylon, literally the Roman Catholic Church as we know it today... And Rome itself, I don't believe we can say for sure, but what we can say is that the final form of Babylon, the final form of the mother of harlots and its abominations is a religious and commercial reality just like Roman Catholicism today. It will still be the same old counterfeit, the same old false religion, the same old self-made salvation that you can try to get there on your own through the mother-child cult. Satan has not changed his game. He still desires to see God's plan thwarted. He still sees and desires to see people deceived. So that's the background. That's the introduction. That's just where we needed to go just to help us understand what we're going to see. So let me just read for us just the first six verses of this chapter in one swoop. Revelation chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. And one of the seven angels had the seven bull, who had the seven bulls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names and having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls having in her hand a a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. Upon her forehead a name was written, a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. Now, I just want to take this chapter as we go and just as it flows to us in in the simplest fashion we can. And so I've broken up under four titles. First is the woman, verses 1 to 6. Second is the beast, verses 7 to 14. And then comes the judgment, verses 15-15. Through 17. I'm sorry. 7 to 14 is the second one. Third is 15 to 17. The judgment. And then finally. The woman. Compared with. And really. Synonymous with. The city. Verse 18. So you have the woman. The beast. The judgment. And the woman. And the city. So let's. First look at this woman. We've already seen much of this and heard much of this already. But we need to see some more. We already understand that John is going to see the judgment of false religion. We already understand that. The judgment of this spiritual prostitute. This is the judgment of false religion that has engulfed the world. Notice in verse 2 or verse 1, she sits on many waters. You say, well, how do you know what's many waters? Well, look at verse 15. And he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So she sits upon the world. She's engulfing the entire populace. The scope of her influence has gone global. Verse 2 shows that her Domination of the earth is seen in two ways, with kings and with those who dwell on the earth. She commits immorality. That's, that's not talking about sexual sin in any kind of way. It's speaking about the connections that she has made for personal gain by the kings of the earth, by the rulers of nations, kings of the world. In other words, they are in relationship with This false religion, this city, this Babylon, by way of both economics and by way of support. So they have accepted her spiritual claims so long as they are allowed to continue in their own sin unabated. We'll accept the religiousness of her. We'll accept her religion as long as it doesn't affect us all that much. If we can gain something by way of our relationship, we'll gladly embrace it. In our day, it's the linking of arms with Catholicism in any kind of way. Linking arms with whatever Catholicism teaches or anything that Catholicism teaches because linking with it advances the, the power or the, the influence. Any of that is idolatrous. It's Idolatrous. So the kings of the earth have no problem with this religion as long as it doesn't interfere with the exercise in their own hearts of their power gain. So through her ecumenical acceptance of others which is kind of interesting in our day as the Roman Catholic Church ecumenically begins to accept other religions what better way to perpetuate and grow than just simply absorb the others by way of acceptance and so through her ecumenical acceptance her pollution is spread far and wide secondly Not only with the kings of the earth as she committed acts of immorality, verse 2 says, but it is spread through the pleasure that she offers to the people of the world. Notice, and of those, middle of verse 2, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. We saw that in the Old Testament. The world is drunk with her wine. Wine, not literal. This is symbolic of her ways. They are drunk With her ways. In other words. The people's rational faculties. Are impaired. By what she offers. That's What he's talking about. She uses her religion. To bring about this reality. So that people have no objection to her. As long as they can go on sinning. As long as I can go on sinning. It's a beautiful relationship. Sin all you want, that kind of false religion says. Why? Because tomorrow is confession day. Sin all you want today. Tomorrow you'll take care of it. Tomorrow through confession, through penance, your slate will simply be clean by whatever price you pay. The mother and her child will make it so. By the way, just so that we're clear, verse 2, when it says, Those who dwell on the earth... Those who dwell on the earth is just another way of saying in the book of Revelation, unbelievers. Those who dwell on the earth is not everybody who's on the earth in the sense that the Christians are doing this too. No, true Christians have already been martyred. They've already died because they stood for Jesus. In fact, we see that down in verse 6, that the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses of Jesus are on her hands. They're gone. These are unbelievers. This false religion is filled to the brim with unbelievers, not Christians. Remember back in chapter 13 when the religion of Antichrist was being introduced and they were worshiping the dragon who is Satan. They were worshiping the beast. Verse 8 of chapter 13 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone's in the pool. Nobody's sitting on the deck. Everybody's in the pool of this false religion. They're all worshiping the beast who had had a false counterfeit resurrection. Remember that? So all the people of the earth, all the leaders come together in this great world religion. And then verse 3 says, And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. So, Now there's a simple transition. John is now plucked away by the Holy Spirit. He takes him out and shows him something else. The angel came to speak with John, said, come up here, I'm going to show you this. And now the Holy Spirit plucks him away. He removes John from the conversation with this angel and he takes him to a wilderness place. Wilderness, it just means a place of desolation. That's that's all we really know. John says in this place of desolation, there's this, this woman there. This woman. Who is that? We know who that is. That's the harlot Babylon. That's false religion. And there's another aspect being added to the vision that John already knows about. He says, and I saw her sitting on a scarlet beast. We know who the beast is. We've already seen him in our study. That's the Antichrist. And notice she is sitting on the beast. So a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names. She's sitting on the beast. I believe that this simply means that she's not only controlling the beast, but she is also being supported by the beast. So while the beast is certainly supporting the religious system through himself, it is the religious system that is controlling the influence. It is the false religion, ultimately against God, desiring to puff up self that is really driving it all. It is the idolatry of the heart of man. And so it is the religious system that unites the world. Initially the religious system that has control in the final days. Soon, as we know, the beast will come to hate the harlot. The Antichrist will come to hate the harlot, but she initially controls the day. We know the beast has seven heads, ten horns. That's just a conglomeration of nations come together under this one person full of blasphemous names. Remember, he sets himself up in the temple as if he's God. He claims the things about being the deliverer of the world. There's all kinds of things that come against God Attributed to him. That's what full of blasphemous names. The idea it carries. And then verse four, he says, and the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and the unclean things of her immorality. She is. Adorned just like the harlots and the prostitutes of the day would be adorned throughout all of history, dressing themselves up in outward beautification to attract attention. And in a symbolic sense, she is the same way. The harlot of Babylon is no different. She has royalty. She has prosperity. She has a worldly nobility. And she has wealth beyond measure. This is one who has done her work so well that she has become extremely wealthy. She has gold and precious stones and pearls. Isn't it interesting that several years back, if you know anything about the Catholic Church, Pope Paul II made it get this? Pope Paul II made it illegal for any cardinal under that religion, to wear any other colored hat than a scarlet hat. This woman is clothed in purple and scarlet. She is idolatrous. She is royal. She is rich. She is influential. And she is full of blasphemous names. Every time I hear the word royal in my mind, I think of England and the Queen of England who is part of the Church of England which is just as blasphemous and idolatrous as the Roman Catholic Church together and they're in cahoots together. John says in verse 5, and upon her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Woman then represents spiritual Babylon, the religious part of Babylon, which, of course, as we have already seen in our study of this book, is linked all the way back to the idolatrous religion of the mother-child worship of Semiramis and Tammuz, which began back in Babel. This is where all the commonality of every false religion in the world comes. This is the mother of them all. This is the oldest, the most powerful satanic deception of all time, folks. Satan has established a religion in the annals of history throughout time, which... He can draw upon to challenge Christ and his messianic claim. And he has even allowed Christian terms to be attached to it so that the deception even goes far wider. But it is a false religious cult. Satan would challenge the virgin birth of Christ. And so he did that through Samaramis. He would challenge the sacrificial death of Christ. And he did that through Tammuz. And he would counterfeit the resurrection of Christ. And he's done that time and time again let alone through Tammuz and anything else. So The whole world became the basis. This whole system I should say became the basis for the spread of this idolatry throughout the world. May be called by different things. We may know it under the term Hinduism. We may hear it under the term Buddhism. You might see it referenced as a false religion under the term Mormonism or Catholicism or whatever else of human self-salvation religion it is. It may be even known by humanistic Protestantism where a Protestant believes they could save themselves, but they all have the same parents. They all have come from the Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abomination of the earth. Satan has used her to spawn all kinds of false religions. And all of them are the very antithesis of Christ. Systems of religion taking their character from their debased mother. And now they simply prostitute. They prostitute what was once sacred and they call it now theirs. And they use it for personal gain. When you come to verse 6, you go, Is it any wonder that when John saw these things, when he saw this, he wondered greatly? There's that word megos used again by John in Revelation. He wondered greatly i mean there's amazement in john and then this goes beyond any amazement that he's seen as god has unfolded the revelation to him this is mega amazement this is great wonder john is absolutely astonished at what he's seeing can't believe it because from john's perspective which was not very long after the church began What John sees doesn't fit anything that Christ described as the people of God in the church. See, a church that's out for profit, a religion that's out for some pleasure and personal power, a religion that kills those who are true believers, who perpetuates a religion of self under the guise of true religion. John is astonished at this. That's not the church of Scripture. That's not the church that John heard Jesus speak about. That's the church John sees. That's the religious system that will be the final manifestation of religion on this earth. And Listen, here's the reality. Here's the reality. When truth is distorted... Okay, when when truth is distorted and Scripture is completely abandoned, idolatry is all you have left. Let me say that again. When Scripture is distorted and truth is abandoned, or when truth is distorted and Scripture is abandoned, truth and Scripture are one and the same thing. When they're abandoned and distorted, all you have left is idolatry. Let me tell you, outward reform, you can try to reform your life on an outward sense, but outward reform without any kind of internal transformation is worthless. Outward reform, reforming your life, trying to get yourself up by the bootstrap so you can reform your life in some way without internal transformation through Jesus Christ. You know what that does? It only produces one thing. It will produce greater and greater pride. You want to try outward outward reformation without internal transformation and all you will have is a devastating life and an eternity that will be worse than anything you've ever known. This was true before the flood so that what happened after the flood was the Tower of Babel. They distorted the truth, turned their backs on the Word of God and all you had left was worthless pride that became devastating. Devastating was true in Israel, in the nation when they rejected the truth of God, when they rejected the prophets of God, and all they were left with was their idols that they had carved. Worthless idolatry. It's true in our day. So that today, the Roman idolatry of Catholicism, the worthless worship of Mormonism. The foolishness of Jehovah's Witness, Buddhism, Hinduism, and any other kind of ism that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus Christ desires one thing and one thing only. It only desires self-promotion, self-pride, and it ends in idolatry. And the idolatry of Catholicism today desires to unite all religions under one religion. It's an ecumenical desire. They are not becoming definitive about truth. They are simply embracing every idolatrous religion. Why? Because they're not of God at all. They're not of God at all. They are under the power of Satan. And they are the child of their ancient mother, Babylon. Folks, listen. This is where the world's headed. This is where we're going. Russ said it this morning. Look it around you. This is where it's going. You see turmoil all over the world. You hear of wars and earthquakes and these kinds of things. Listen, the world is headed this direction. The world is not becoming less and less religious. The world is becoming more and more religious. And it's under the guise of idolatrous paganism. And all the children of the mother will return to her in the end. And Roman Catholicism will be right there with them. She may be even leading the pack. And John says she is drunk. She is intoxicated with eliminating the true believer of Jesus Christ, the true saint. She's intoxicated with that. And it will only grow worse and worse and worse. So we know the woman. Next time we'll see the beast. Let's pray. Father, this morning. What incredible things that are here in Your Word for us to see. We see what took place in ancient times with ancient Israel, and we know what's coming in the future for them. We see the false religion that rose so easily even after the short time of Your time on earth, and we see it even in our day. Lord, we need to understand with clarity the idolatry that it is. That there's only one true religion In the world, and that is through Jesus Christ by faith in Christ for you, the one that you have made through your Son. There is no other religion, there is no Jesus plus that works. It is Jesus Christ alone, by faith alone, because of your grace alone, that man can be saved. So, Lord, we pray for the destruction of all of the other religions that go against that. We pray. That you would come quickly. You would indeed use this truth to penetrate the hearts of those who may be trapped in some false religion. Saying that they know they're okay before you when in fact they're deceived. Lord, I know many even in our midst have been saved out of false religion, Catholicism and other religions. Lord, we thank you for your grace to draw them and pull them out Lord, we pray that others would be saved in the same way, that your gospel would go forth, that others would be drawn away, away from the falseness of those religions to the true gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would become part of the true church, the church that rests in Jesus Christ alone and his sacrificial sacrifice for those who believe. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that we can know these things. We praise you for Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. And is our savior today. Alive in the glories of heaven with you. And one day will return to get us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.